So continuing Harvest on Mission, now we're in Romans 12, verses 3, all the way through the end of the chapter. And we're remember, we're following our vision statement, which is we want to see all people walking together with God, bearing fruit for his kingdom. Up to this point, we've been mainly talking about our vertical relationship with God. Remember, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about obedience. We've, we've talked about trusting God in trials. We've talked about uh, finding rest in Him. All those kinds of ideas. Now we're going to talk more about, okay, our re- horizontal relationships. All of our horizontal relationships have to start with the vertical. We have to start there and then move into our horizontal relationships. But what does that look like within church community? And this passage has so much packed into it. Um, we can't in one week really do every part of this justice. So I hope, but I hope there's some big themes that I'm going to draw that I'm going to draw out here, and then maybe some parts that you guys will zero in that you'll find particularly help, helpful. But again, asking this question of the first half of our vision statement: How do I walk together with God? How do I do that? What does that look like? And for this passage, I'm going to give this the big idea. In humility before God, love people by following the one another's. Now, what do I mean by that? You remember Jesus the night before he was crucified, he was talking to his disciples and he told them, I think it's in John chapter 13. He says, love one another, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now, the one another's are, there are dozens of these throughout the New Testament. And there are all kinds. There's uh, be generous with one another, forgive one another, uh, bear one another's burdens. It's in, and what I think it is, is that love is the larger category for all the little specifics of what does love in particular look like. In other words, part of the way that I might love you one day is to encourage you. And the next day, it might be to show mercy. Um, and then the next day, to be generous with you. It, it, it all depends, right, on the, on the circumstance and the relationship and what's going on. But the one another's, I think, really bear out the, the detail, the flesh, if you will, of what it looks like within relationship to, be, uh, to, to truly love one another. And I've kind of divided this whole passage up into three main sections. I want to walk through those. So the first section, starting in verse 8, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Make a special note of that. He's not talking to just the kids or just the adults or just the men or just the women, the older people or the younger people, whatever. He is talking to everyone. This is everybody. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The key foundation to what he's about to say, because he's, he's now get, he's turning from our relationship with God, which was verses 1 and 2, and really all of chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, now he's turning from that vertical relationship to the horizontal relationships. He says, guys, all of us are called to a relationship with God, but what it looks like now in your relationships with other people is going to be unique. And the key to embracing the uniqueness of how God's designed me, how God's designed you, how you relate, how I relate, the key to that is humility. I can't think of myself more highly than I ought to. 
but I need to think with sober judgment. In other words, like seeing reality. You know, when you're you're drunk, you don't see reality. You don't see what's true and real. I got to embrace and acknowledge what's real and true. That's fundamentally important to start with. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Here's that um, human body analogy, the intricate machine of the human body. When when you're completely healthy is an amazing machine. Every part doing the job that it's designed to do. Same thing within the body life, not cookie cutter Christians where everybody looks the same. We, we come to the cross, uh, putting our faith in Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. That's the same for everybody. But then from there, the relationships and what it looks like is going to be different from person to person. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually, individually members of one another. Note well the mutuality that's right there. Um, you, you are dependent on your fellow Christians. They are dependent on you because it's a human body, just like every part of the body is completely dependent on one another. If, if I am not humble, if I am filled with pride, if I am putting on a mask so that nobody is allowed to see the real me, then how is it possible for them to minister to the real me? How is it possible for me to be in relationship with those people? Pride is the killer of all relationships, both with God and with other people. We've got to be humble for this thing to work. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So these are things that God gives that we then use. The source is from God. Let us use them. Be humble and then use the gift that God's given you. And then he runs through kind of a list. It's not an exhaustive list, but we call these spiritual gifts. When someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit empowers something that's unique for you that is used to minister to other people. And he runs through a list. So the first one here, he says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. And I just want to quickly note that this prophecy is not the office of prophet. Remember in the Old Testament, you know, Isaiah was a prophet of God. God appointed him. You're my prophet, Jeremiah, you know, all these different guys. This is the, um, is, is the ability that God empowers through the Holy Spirit to help people to see their life with clarity and to see what God commands and how God speaks into that with clarity. So bringing the world of God together with their world so they have some clarity on what God's saying through his word and in other ways. That's what this means, that kind of prophecy. He's, he says, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, if one, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So this, it's like, guys, you've all been given gifts starts with humility. Now exercise that gift. God's given you an ability, then use it to minister to other Christians. You're, they're, de- they're depending on that. And that's an important aspect of the way that God's designed you to minister. And then the second section, I think is applicable to all Christians, but he's going more into those one another's that I mentioned. So big category, let love be genuine. That's our big category. What is So what does that look like? He says, well, 
Start by abhorring what is evil. Now, he's not saying abhor people. He's saying abhor evil. You know, our acts of evil. Let's see sin for what it is as, as evil. And the reverse, hold fast to what is good. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So maybe we should have an honor contest this Sunday. Uh, verse 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in, in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Just a nice big list of things. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. These, he's painting a bigger picture. Not with great detail, but a bigger picture of what does love for one another look like? And you guys can explore that a little bit more as you, as you study these and think about, okay, how do we really love one another within these communities that we're beginning to form? And then the second section, the last section, I think, is really about our relationship with the outside world, people that are not a part of the church. Verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Now, note well that, now, first of all, this is hard. This is not at all easy. This is an incredibly high and hard command to bless someone who has hurt you. Um, you know, I think it's one thing to be able to say, okay, I'm going to not respond in kind. If, if, if they uh, are rude to me, then I, okay, I just will not be rude back to them. But he's saying, no, let's take it a little bit further. And I want you to actually respond to their rudeness with blessing and bless it. Blessing means to make them happy. Um, and that is a remarkable kind of thing. And really it's agape, God kind of love. It's not about transaction. It's I love you because of who you are, not because of what you've done or what, you've, what you'll do, but because you're made in the image of God and God loves me with that kind of love, I'm gonna love you with that kind of love. Rejoice with those who rejoice, that's easy. Weep with those who weep, man, that is very hard. Uh, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I mean, don't you just love this community of people? I mean, wouldn't it, it's just such a cool, amazing. I mean, you think about each one of those. It's like, guys, I want each of our intentional communities to be marked by these things. So that when people look in, they see all these amazing attributes. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Think about that. Like what we say and do in public, let's, let's give thought to it because the outside world is looking in. They're like, what makes you different? Do you, do you, let me see by your actions and your interactions with other people that you really believe that who God is. And, and so we need to give thought in what we're doing. I think it does matter the, the tone of speech that we use, the language that we use, especially when we're posting in very public places like social media. Give thought to it. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And there's other translations that instead of saying, leave it to the wrath of God, they say, give space to the wrath of God. 
sa- he says, vengeance is mine. Guys, I've given you gifts that I want you to exercise and use for your community. But this whole vengeance and justice thing, God says, that's my job. I'm the one who brings wrath and vengeance, not you. And so I, I think one way you can think about this is that because that's a space that God only works in, if we step into that space, then we're not leaving room for God to work. And that is extremely harmful to that person. It says a little bit more here. Think, look at this. Uh, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me just run back to that, that, that confusing phrase about, okay, heaping burning coals on his head. Um, I think that the, what this is saying, and, and this, and by the way, it's quoting from Proverbs right here, is that if we encroach into something that belongs to God, which is his vengeance, then we are making um, the work that God's doing in their life, the Holy Spirit work of, of bringing conviction on them for what they've done that's wrong, we confuse that. So if you think of like, think of it like a, a, a radio signal. You remember with old TVs, how you could, you know, when you're trying to tune the TV, you know, switch between channels. And most of the kids have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but you could be in between channels and it's like a fuzzy version of both channels because you're between the two. You don't have clarity on one channel. Well, so when we sin, when we do what's wrong, our conscience and the Holy Spirit works with our conscience to let us know that that was wrong. What you did was wrong. But if I step in and I try to do what only God should be doing, then I confuse the signal that God was giving him. And I think by contrast, what he's saying here, if I feed them when they're hungry, if I give them something to drink when they're thirsty, if I bless them, it's like putting a gigantic antenna on their heart that allows God to give crystal clear clarity to them about their sin. Christians, this is a really big deal if we really care about those other people and finding and knowing God. They have to hear and know that I am guilty. I've sinned. And that's step one in order to be able to turn to a Savior who died for them. It makes no sense that Jesus would die for somebody that doesn't need it. And Christians, I think if we aren't responding in love to people, then we are just confusing the message that God's trying to communicate to their heart, to their soul level, that they are guilty and they are in need of a Savior. And so this this, um, heaping burning coals on on their head, it's just a another way uh, of an artistic and ancient way of saying like, I'm feeling the full burn of the guilt of the holy version of the guilt that, oh my goodness, I can't believe what I did. But if we just, you know, you know, they shoot at us and, and we shoot back at them and they shoot us and we shoot back at them. That makes it so difficult because the onlooking world says, look, It doesn't really matter who shot first. Everybody's been shooting at everybody. You're both guilty. But if only one person is shooting, and if the other person is just responding with love and blessing, then it gives crystal clear clarity, not saying that there wasn't clarity. You know, I mean, God can sort out the confusing, but it gives crystal clear clarity 
on what's wrong. And when that's understood, then there's an opportunity to respond with, okay, I need a savior. I need my sin taken care of. So that's what he's talking about there. And again, just the final sum sum it up. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, there's tons in this passage. Um, I feel like I just barely scratched the surface. And so I hope you guys can maybe zero in on some things that really stand out to you. But don't just talk about it academically um, and, you know, just try, you know, but talk about like how can our group look like this? Um, and, and, and think about how can you individually start contributing to the group in the way that God's designed you to build this kind of community so that we can be obedient to what Jesus commanded. The new commandment I gave you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In the next verse, big one. And, and by this, the world will know that you're my disciples. Guys, this community, kind of community, if this is what we are marked by, this is a community that is that by its existence is communicating the gospel, is letting an onlooking world know what the ultimate eternal truth is. And to me, that's exciting, guys. This, this is at the core of who we are as a church. Relationships of brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who have been transformed by the gospel to be new people whose lives are growing and becoming more and more like Jesus together. That's a community effort. But remember, it starts, first of all, with I got to be humble about myself. I can't think more highly of myself than I ought to think, but with sober judgment. This is who I am, guys. This is who I am come to your group, come to your relationships like that. And God's going to bless you. And he's going to work through that other person in your life. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do in and through you, the other people in your group, and then as a whole to your neighbors and the people around us.